0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: I'm Vince Orlando. I'm Sean Davis.
2: Steve's Orange today.
1: And this is the human condition. We uh, we should pause before we get too far into this. I want to introduce uh, Steve. Steve's going to be a permanent fixture on the show, he, he's uh, similar to Jamie. And Joe Rogan, for those of you who are familiar, Steve classifies himself as an optimistic nihilist, which I, I think is going to be an interesting mix. So he'll be there throwing in monkey wrenches, but he'll also be paying attention to to you guys. So we'll, we'll be able to be a little more interactive now with the comments that come in and phone calls, ideas for shows and that type of thing we're gonna we're gonna get a lot more interactive in the coming weeks um, so Steve do you
2: you have anything you want to say uh sure yeah i've uh, I've been an, a systems engineer for about 20 years so you know I was I was born on the internet I've used the internet my whole life I you know practiced with CEO and marketing and stuff like that so I'm really hoping that I can help out because wow. I love the message here yeah th-
1: thank you and I, I feel like that's what's important is that Sean and I started this because we felt like there were some things that that we wanted to talk about, that we felt others might benefit from. And it really the whole thing started out as practice. We just kind of came in and started throwing some ideas around. and we had an idea of where we wanted to go, but it's kind of taken on a, a little bit of a life of its own, which which is cool. There, there's some people that we can say genuinely they're religious about tuning in and leaving comments. And it, the conversation that happens outside of here is, I, I think, to me, I, I don't know if you agree, is the most beneficial piece to this entire thing is that we we come in here and we speak and we, we spout out ideas. And, and then the conversations that happen after the fact I I love when somebody says, "Oh, wow, that topic uh, that that helped me so much. I never thought about that thing that way." And again, we're we're not experts other than where we are in our own experiences and things that we've been through, and we're we're just brutally honest about them. And if that can help, and you
2: know, it feels good to me. Yeah, same.
1: Uh, so okay, so this week we're we're going to delve into the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul. Is a concept that so it it, it can be it can be taken in a, a few different ways. In Roman Catholicism, for example, it, from in a religious context, the dark night is dark night of the soul is metaphorical of, of what happened with Jesus on the cross. Everything falls apart. You essentially lose your life. Everything that you know to be real to where it's my father. Why hast thou forsaken me? On the cross before you can make your union with God in a spiritual context the dark night of the soul is I guess it would be analogous to rock bottom right rock bottom so you have an opportunity and, and that's really what the dark night of the soul is even though things do fall apart and you are essentially at rock bottom it is an opportunity for growth so in a spiritual context in a metaphysical context the universe is presenting you with everything that you need to overcome so that you can make that make that union in a religious context with god connect with your higher self in a spiritual context it's really Happening for you, not to you And that's a big concept in, in unity You know, yeah. Things happen for you, not to you Now you have an option in the dark night of the soul You can play victim You can stay stuck there Some people never come back That's the end of the life They, they leave this earth plane In a negative manner Or you step up to the plate And you elevate your frequency The Buddhists will say Be grateful for your pain this falls into the, the into line with that concept is that once you transcend the the conditions that are before you, you can go back and say thank you. You know, but you have to transcend it first. It's kind of a catch twenty two in life because if you don't transcend this condition, you're going to stay stuck. I know I stayed stuck for a long time. I was a finger pointer. I blamed the world. Never had anything to do with me. It was always out there. Always had somebody to blame. Until my son was born, when my son was born that that ego started to dissipate, but I, I I was stuck, and I could have died more times than I'd like to even talk about right now, but have you had one recently? I think I have them I think I have them fairly frequently they're just not at the magnitude that they used to be they're highly nuanced, right, so I'm constantly being presented with challenges that that I need to face so that I can elevate my frequency. So the answer is yes. It's just not it's just not the stereotypical rock bottom what one might right, think right. of as but, but I'm constantly being challenged. And I, I think I think I do look for these challenges. That's, I'm conditioned now to look for the challenges in my daily life. I'm not I'm not trying to live comfortably, right? I, I'm I want to grow. I want to transcend the human condition. I want that. So I think I look for them more. Maybe they've
2: always been happening. I, 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 but
1: the answer is yes.
2: Yeah, I, you know, well, it's I, it's cyclical. Well, yeah. it is. I mean, that's what Buddhism literally says. Like you, you might find, you might find, uh, what do they call it, uh, nirvana, Zen. nirvana. Yeah. But you're only going to be there for a set amount of time. Got to come and back then into the sky. You got to hit back to the bottom.
1: Right. Right. So the the I'm trying to think of a thing I've been presented with so, recently
0: you ever look at the hero's journey?
1: Absolutely. Joseph Campbell. That's... that's, So, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, I looked at... You know, it's funny. My Reiki healer, like, a year ago, was like, you need to look at the hero's journey and, like, you know, kind of take a look at it, because it's kind of like how you do your thing. And if you look at the hero's journey, there comes a point where there is a problem.
2: Right? (laughs) Yeah, threshold. Yeah,
0: the threshold. And then you know, comes to despair, mm-hmm. has supernatural help or something of some spiritual whatever to assist and guide. Oracle. Yeah. And then makes the switch on the upward, gets the rebirth, and you do it again. And again. Having changed. Yeah. And that's you, having, big changed, thing. having changed. Having right. changed. And yeah. you
1: know what's somewhat ironic in the way that that we would that we would classify the hero is that to get to that that oracle you have to surrender the ego the ego doesn't like that surrender so you're surrendering yourself into the flow of the universe under these conditions and you're giving over to a higher power your higher self doesn't matter how you think of it it's you're giving yourself over to something greater than you otherwise you might curl up in a ball
0: when i was younger my ego liked to resist <laughs> sure. as i got older i learned that the quicker I surrender, the faster the spiritual change. Yeah. <laughs> but as I've gotten older, it seems though the surrender takes like a different form.
1: It's not, it, it's empowering. It,
0: it, yeah. It's, it's different. You know, it even causes like a depression. Yeah. You I know, know that feeling. Man. And, you know, you know, something has to change. And it's funny because I was like, last couple of days, like, I feel a shift coming. Like a huge shift. And in that shift, there's like some sort of depressive state that goes along with it. And I'm.
2: That's the thinking portion of it.
0: Yeah. And I'm so I'm praying, and my guy's like, don't worry. I got it all taken care of. I'm with you on this shit. Just relax. And he goes like, I don't know. But you're up here, you know? Right, right. (laughs) And I'm up here. I don't
1: know. Maybe you don't.
0: And so, like, I wanna let it go. You know, I wanna release it. And I will momentarily, but then it comes back. Right, right. You know, yeah. I was thinking on the way here, I'm like, I just feel like hopping a fucking train, dude, to anywhere but here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and end up I... where you end up and go have an adventure. And that's, not, you know, there's there's something to be said about just doing
1: that. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, there, there really is. I don't think. See, you can. So you said it. You said it in the way that matters because there's escape right where i'm just running away from everything you don't know what you're running to you're just getting the fuck out of there that's different than i'm going on an adventure right i'm gonna put myself out there i'm gonna just dive into the flow of the universe the universe is telling me do this now don't know why but I'm I'm in it for the adventure, and then there's the other. The, the running is, you know, that's where the alcoholism, the addiction, right? That's the running. That's the unhealthy part, and that's where you get stuck in this. The problem dark is, night.
0: alcohol always followed me. You know, <laughs> I may try to run from the drink or and did the you drug, it? or but it always like, you know, I could do that geographical cure shit, but there was no cure because it always found me
1: <laughs> wherever you go. There you are, <laughs> fucking a, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I I go f- I go through them constantly. I I. There's, I still battle with the the symptoms of PTSD, right? And there's there's times where I'll walk into my house and there's something, you know, abandonment played a much larger part in my life than, than I would have ever understood without the therapy that I've gone through and got to this point. Because I, I was always stuck on the surface trauma, right? Where I I watched my dad trying to kill my mom and I snuck out the window. You know, all this, we've talked about this before. I thought that was it. And then the physical abuse, I thought that was it. But it really boils down to... I didn't feel attached to my caregivers because they weren't present all the time. My mom was, but she could only be in portions to where, you know, she had to hide it because otherwise she'd get her ass beat by my dad. So I I grew highly unattached and what it is is abandonment. So it's weird where I'll feel either I'm abandoning somebody or something or I'm being abandoned and it comes on like a ton of bricks in a way that's not healthy and in a, in a way that a person who hasn't dealt with PTSD would probably never understand because it doesn't make any goddamn sense that it would just hit you like that. But there's been times where and, and there's this one time specifically that led to a, a bender a PTSD infused bender. I hadn't drank and I don't even know how long, but I dropped my kids off at school one morning and I drove I was driving home. To start my day, I don't know what was going on in my life at the time, and I remember pulling into a Walgreens, and this has only happened twice in my, in my life where I disassociated sober, blacked out. I woke up, I don't know, it was a couple weeks later on my couch. Really, it had gone that long, and I had to go back through my bank statements and see where I was going to the store. <laughs> it's never a
0: good thing. But
1: I had got hit. I got. I don't know what happened, but. I was all bruised up and, you know. Oh, is this when you got hit by the car? Yeah, yeah. And my, my cousin's like, you got to go to the hospital. I didn't know what had happened, but I said, you know, and that's a, that's a story and whatever, but that's one of those times. And my blood alcohol level was like 0.49. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, I was half dead. Yeah.
1: So, but I don't remember any of it. None of it. I don't remember. I remember pulling into the store. Don't remember going in. Don't remember anything. It's probably for the best. But the, well, but the point is, the point is, it happened, the, the trigger point, and I got got to this in therapy, is that I dropped the kids off and there was this overwhelming sense, just this heavy sense of hopelessness. And it, it goes back to that I felt like I abandoned them and I was able to go back in hindsight and say, every time I dropped the kids off, I know they're safe, but there's something that triggers me at a deep visceral level to where I start to feel inadequate and, and, be, and until I could actually put what was going on into perspective for myself, I couldn't break free from it. It just fucking happened. Hit me like a ton of bricks. So I'll get it now from time to time we're all walking into the house and it's empty. Whatever happened, it's, you know, with alcohol, you know, alcohol's coming and there's a feeling there and whatever with PTSD, it's sensory, like you're, you're not really shielded from anything. And I, and it takes practice, daily practice to be able to isolate where the feeling might be coming from. And I don't always get it. But what I do know now is the feeling. Like I know when that that the, the hopelessness You're conditioned. that, that You're yeah, conditioned. the sense of hopelessness just this heavy thing to where life's good, life's real good. But all of a sudden, I walk in my kitchen and I feel the emptiness in the house and I want to die. Like what the fuck, you know? But I'll yeah. catch it now and I'll be like, what the fuck was that? And I'll I'll go sit in my meditation room or I'll, I'll be like, hold on, man. You know what I mean? It's so we- it, so it happens. And these are brief moments, but it's heavy. It's when heavy. did you
2: get the revelation that meditation would help you with something like that? You
1: know, I knew I knew for a long time because I, I read about it, but then I couldn't do it, so you I would give up. It. I would give up because I'm like, ah, fuck this, you know. I, right. It was uh, ketamine, and we've talked about it a lot. But ketamine is medically induced meditation when you do it at psychedelic doses. So I, I read this uh, medical manual on on uh, the ketamine psychedelic therapy. And really, it was kind of fun. You but prescribe it yourself. I prescribed it myself, <laughs> and I went in, and that's when I that's when I that's when I felt transcendence. Didn't little, know what a it bit was more exactly. for me.
0: A little bit more yeah. for me. A little bit more. And that
1: was the thing. I didn't have any. I didn't have anybody guiding me. So I I'm, I had shit coming back from my childhood. The first thing that really mm-hmm. happened though is, uh I remember standing by Vinny's high chair. He was taking a nap, and you know. Ketamine's different because the, the effects are lingering. It's not like ayahuasca, DMT, where it's bam, you are in this space and you you come out and you just you are okay, right? You, the, the more d- like
2: mushrooms, like weeks after, you still have a little bit of. The you, and that's
1: why that's why they're prescribing this stuff now: ketamine, psilocybin. Yeah. Um. So, I remember I had this. I was ripped out of my body, standing by my son's high chair, and I remember looking at me, and I I said, and it was in a loving way too. I said, you are an asshole. Everything you've done so far in your life was wrong, and it crumbled me. My, my, it crumbled my ego. Just, and I can't really, I can't really put in perspective the way that I felt. But I just knew that I had been controlling, egotistical, and I needed to look for another way. That's what started it. That was, you know, and life was crumbling at that point. the The film incentive had been pulled. I was probably as poor as I've ever been. I'd never asked for assistance. I didn't even know what unemployment was. I didn't know I was eligible for the shit. But I, I was at a point where fuck, I need help. You know, I'm. I have a kid now. You know, before I could just go sell some drugs, I'm good. You know what I mean? I'll go make a trip and fuck it. You know. I, but I have this baby here, so that was that was that was the prevailing dark night of the soul. That was the one that started the hero's journey. And it, and it didn't get easier from that point forward because, you know, you might say that's your come to Jesus moment, right? That's when the work started. That's when it got real fucking difficult because now I know better, you know. And for me to run from what I knew better, it took a lot of substances. And if if I, I couldn't – I can't not
0: know what I know now. Kind of like you can't not know what you you know. You know it. You know, it's funny because, like, I Googled Dark Night of the Soul. And this thing popped up, this website popped up, and it was all people who had quit taking antidepressants. And they were giving mm. feedback on the idea of Dark Night of the Soul. And they were saying that, you know, the concept ha- goes back to like... 16th century. 500 BC. Really? Where the Sumerians wrote on a clay tablet, Yeah, yeah. you know, the whole... Concept of the depression and going down and then you being miss. helped, yeah, being yeah, yeah, helped yeah. by yeah. some supernatural power or being, and then coming to and being fulfilled. And then they had another thing about the 1600s I forget, some St. John, something, St. John of the Cross, yeah, that, yeah, that's where
1: the dark yeah. night was actually phrased.
0: And then they, the it was funny because all these cats that had quit their psych meds. Uh, one of them posted about uh, Carl Yoon. I love that guy. And the Red Book, mm-hmm. and was and, and it said that Carl had wrote the majority of the Red Book during the time his little Dark Night of the Soul time, and uh, talked about how other spiritual entities guided him through. That particular phase makes sense. I just thought it was interesting that a bunch of people who had just quit their psych meds are talking about this and blog. It was pretty much just a blog, you know. I'd like
1: to check that out because that because something happens when you get the the outside chemicals out of the brain when when you open yourself up to the depression because something happens when you quit dairy. You know, well, chemicals. (laughs) I I mean, these chemicals that come in and do shit to our brain. But even with the chemicals, that's the thing is that I I was only on medication for. I checked myself into a psych ward and they gave me some antidepressants. I'm not depressed. I was no. And he even said, "I." I, Anyway, that's another story. Gave me that and gave me some Depakote, yeah, which is serious business for the PTSD. And I remember. I had to take it for seven days and I finally got the fuck out of this place But because they're glorified drug pushers. But it sucked the life out of me instantly. Prior to that, I checked myself in for obvious reasons, right? So I'm going through my shit, going through heavy, heavy shit. And usually when I'm going through that shit, that's when I'm closest to whatever this is. Whatever the source is, whatever my higher self is, when I'm going through the tail end of the shit, not when I'm not when I would be involved in the chemical portion, right? That's the escape portion. And I'm, I'm getting these little instant uh, gratification moments to where I can feel like, oh, I'm connected to something. And then I would go get more and more and more. It was after that part. So I had beat my ego into submission. I had no ego to hide behind anymore because I'd, destroyed everything around me everything around me including myself the person that i am i would lay around on my couch and puke and like a fucking slob you know completely the antithesis of who i am or who i thought i was i would be that so my ego's beaten into submission i have nothing to hide behind anymore now i got to go to the people i love and say i'm sorry for being neglectful because i was beating myself up but the the ancillary uh effects of that, the collateral damage was, well, I couldn't be there for my kids in the way I wanted to during that time or the mother of my kids or whoever was in my life that mattered. So that would happen. The ego would get beaten to submission and just like that, I, I would stop. There was no drive towards chemical. There was no drive towards anything other than whatever that is. And I would go through a three to five day period where the best writing I could possibly access was coming out of me, poetry, emotions that were foreign prior to going into this state. And that was without no drugs, no chemicals, no nothing. It was just me minus ego in touch with whatever that. And I, I, I always said, I want to get to that. I want to be that guy full time. That's that's what I'm trying to access and the quick route there was beat your ego into submission because you're too egotistical to let that shit go. But that that's where that's the embracing and I wasn't embracing it intentionally, but that's the embracing of the dark night of the soul because in order for it to serve you, you have to embrace the shit. You got to go in head first and say, let's do this fucking shit. Whatever it is you've got for me. I know it's for me. Let's fucking do it. And and I, I've I've gotten to the point now where I can do that. And luckily, it's not shit that's too heavy because I think about the worst shit that could happen to me. And that's that, that what helps keep me on, on a straight and narrow path is that I know the one thing at this point that will rattle me to my core if something were to happen to my kids. And I know the universe consistently has said, I'm going to smack you in your fucking head. You're not using your gifts. I'm going to smack you in your head. I ain't going to kill you. You're going to feel like you're dead. But you better get off your fucking ass and do what I, what you're here for. Get, get in that room and start writing. Do, you know? Go speak. Go do, do this shit. The only thing that's going to rattle me to the point is, so, is if something were to happen to my kids. So every day I'm like, you're being fucking lazy, man. You're being lazy. Get off your ass. Do what you need to do because you don't need that slap. So that's a struggle. Yeah, and that's the struggle I don't want. So it keeps me motivated to not because I, I, I've navigated through a lot.
0: You've navigated through a lot. We
1: all navigate. If we're sitting at this table. Do you table, ever do any kundalini yoga? Yeah. I, and I'm not good at it.
0: <laughs> no, it takes a lot of work, yeah, don't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. But a lot of the energetic stuff that goes on there is on what you're doing is providing a force field. A lot of it is you creating protective energies through these poses and these breathing. I thought the breathing, some of the shit was just. Out there? <laughs> it was just hard. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like like breathing out like breathing in and out <clears throat> of your nose as fast as you can as hard as you can in some gut tightening position so you feel like you're gonna pass out and so
2: hyperventilate
0: it's something it wasn't hyperventilating it was just
2: have you ever heard of box breathing yeah that's by the navy seals it's four seconds in four seconds stop four seconds out four seconds stop repeat do you do that that has gotten me out of a lot of panic attacks
0: it's in in the nose, out the mouth. Either or. Four minutes, hardcore. Nope, four seconds. Four seconds. Mm-hmm. Four minutes, you might die. <laughs> Shit. If you can do that. You're stuff. a Navy SEAL. <laughs> yeah. Spiritual experience. bro. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but that's how they get over the very stressful stuff that they have to do every day.
1: Breathing is so hugely important, and it it's such an an easy thing to do if you put it into practice. But it just seems so. Even to me, and I know, I read on it, I'm educated on on the, the effect of the breath and how that levels you and the physiology of it, how it opens up the blood vessels and the flow to the brain. But I still reject it.
2: But you're going to tell me that I'm 40 years old and I don't know how to breathe? Right, right. No, it's, it seems ridiculous. Yeah. Just breathe. I, I, I remember when I... Being in
1: being in therapy, you know, when I grew up in in group homes and shit like that, and I, I used to hate when they would say "just breathe." I can't breathe. I can't breathe because this motherfucker did this. And I would I would get so pissed off. And now I know, I now I know the effects. Like it really is. And I you do get stupider, literally, because the blood flow changes and your IQ drops a couple points That's true. when you get angry. <laughs> you, you get. Rest- all I have to do now when I get to that place is it's literally step away and breathe. And and when you come back into whatever it is, if you do come back into whatever you were presented with, it doesn't feel so bad anymore.
0: No, it's just a different form of grounding. Right. You know, yeah. grounding, you know, there's different techniques you can use. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of different healers will say, you know, imagine your feet, putting your feet on the ground and then you extracting the energy from the center of the earth up into your body while you're doing certain breathing exercises and stuff and release all that's fucking with you yeah you know, yeah fucking with you you know it was funny like dude i was on antidepressants for a long fucking time Same and here. i you know i i got kind of sober you know at 23 and i just laid in bed for like six months you know typical post you know, ac- you know, acute withdrawal, withdrawal syndrome. syndrome. You know, I was a, you know, you're gonna go through some depression and shit. The brain's trying to heal, and uh, you know, went to go see the psychiatrist, and you know, it started out with a little something, something, and now, like, man, I was, I was on like lithium, Depakote, and like Zyprexa, and like,
1: that's a cocktail.
0: Fuck yeah, I couldn't wake up before noon. Shit, you know, like I literally. Legitimately, cannot wake up before noon. I don't know, you know. And then I had to go do nine months in Oakland County Jail, and I was still taking the shit while I was in there. It was a little different because I, I got to be trustee, and I had to wake up at four a.m. Somehow, some way, they just switched the time of the meds and shit. And um, I get out, dude, and I took that shit from like two thousand and two. 2016 god damn and uh there was a few times that i was like well i'm just gonna stop taking my meds and i didn't know you just couldn't stop taking lithium and like instant relapse instant fucking relapse like boom out and then i would try to like lean off myself and then usually like a relapse would happen and that would be marking things on the calendar and then i would like black out in the middle of the day because i'm an all-day drinker and i'm like then I couldn't remember if I took my meds or not, and so next thing you know, all hell's breaking loose. Your shit, but over the you know place. it was it was interesting because like I really I really manifested this shit with my God. I was like, look, it's time. It's just time to fucking not do this no more. I just don't want to do it because I had switched. Now I was on lithium, Depakote, and Seroquel, and even that shit. Like I just was like, you just can't feel. Your source, a hundred percent. I could you feel. Can... I could feel it. My source was strong enough for me to feel it. But you're not getting full access. You're chemically blocking it. Pretty much. You're ke- it's the same. So with ketamine,
1: which to me was a miracle that it came into my life in the way that it did, it allowed me to feel emotions that I didn't know existed in me. Like I, I didn't know that I could feel that way
0: about anything. I couldn't identify. Like. So, like, it took me, like, Either could eight I months I was... to lean off everything. You know, the Seroquel was easy and the Depakote was pretty easy. But the lithium, like, you it just took a long time because I was on so much. And I didn't have no help. No one gave me any instruction booklet. The only – God pretty much was like, I'll show you how to do it. And, like, the lean-off for the lithium was, like, almost like an eight-month process. And then once I did, you know, you start feeling a little different and there's still like a residual. Yeah. So it took like maybe six months for the residual to kind of leave. And then like, you know, your emotional type identification process is a little fucked up. Yeah. You know, you you were in zombie land and I wasn't necessarily a zombie. I just couldn't feel really, but, but you're I, I just not, you just couldn't feel I, no, not, could, I wasn't not, me, yeah you know? no, you're
1: not, you know what's fucked up is they give that to kids too. I remember in group home, there were kids that were on lithium It's Seroquel. huge now, man, it's huge to hook kids on drugs, and this is back when I was a kid. it's so riddling <laughs> yeah i mean you 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 look, guns are a problem, right access to guns are a problem, mental health is a problem. the drugs that people the band aids that they try to give to people. So that you can make society's life a little bit easier. So whatever your your quote unquote malfunction is doesn't bother society. Whatever, it, there's no coincidence that society finds itself in the space it's in right now. Yeah, those
0: like, pills ain't nothing but fucking throwing a blanket on someone and sucker punching them. I know. I, know? I, I mean, that's it, all you're really doing.
1: But you're but you're whispering while you're doing it. You know what I mean? You're, you're sucker punching. This punting. will help you. This will help you. This let me will hit you help again.
2: You. Let me let me. You need the help. And it, well, I would say there's still people out there that there have are, literal brain imbalances know, there are, that they there are, need I know,
0: medication. I know. There are. And I'm, those
2: are the people you talk to. They're they're like me and you. Yeah. Totally normal. But you take them off that and they're like in a dark place. Yeah.
1: Well, and see, here's the thing with with med. I believe there's a place for meds <laughs> when the condition is so severe that you need that nudge. But it has to be done with therapy. And that's what, unless you have the money, you're not going to get the therapy you need. Who has the time? It was my son. It was the birth of my son. And then my daughter furthered that. But I had to seek and seek and seek and go through therapist after therapist after therapist. And then I found what I needed here. Okay, time to move on from here. And I found what I needed here. And I work daily. I got a calendar that I mark things off. And like it takes such an extensive amount of work. And where does that revelation come to where you feel like, Number one, I'm worth the work, right? Because for years I didn't feel like I was worth the work. Fuck me. I'm, the majority of people don't want to do the work. And that's the other part. So where does and that pills come? are easy?
0: Right. You know, so I get to that place, the dark night of the soul, right? I'm take gonna go pill. see my doctor. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. take a pill. Take a pill. I'm take gonna a take a pill. pill. Yeah, yeah. Pain too great. I need to take a pill. Right, exactly. Change? No. I'll take a pill and I'll keep things statistically. You wanna quo. be thin. Give so, me you me a don't, pill. so you yeah. don't want to be take, happy.
1: Give yeah. me a pill. You don't get to experience the benefits and the whole point is that well your ascension lies on the other side that's where mm-hmm. it is it's on the other side of the dark night of the soul you know it, souls are perfect right energy's perfect whatever you want to call it all the all that's perfect what's beyond the five senses is perfect mm-hmm. if we weren't here if this human experience wasn't to evolve whatever that perfection is w- what's it for you know what? Are, what are we doing here? Why are we experiencing these things? And you know, a, a, a nihilist, um, an agnostic, would argue. Well, that's just how the you know Sam Harris. Sam Harris is far more spiritual than he lets on. But he he would argue. Well, that's there's neuroscience to that, right? In order for yourself to get through the shit. You gotta come up with this concept of a God or, you know. And there there's there's some validity to that, but not completely. Because when you experience out of when you get outside your body, when you experience transcendentalism, there's a
0: there's a truth there that can't be refuted. Even if you take God out of the picture, there's still a rhythm to the universe.
1: Well that and that but a, a neuroscientist, a strict neuroscientist would say that, well, that's all it is. All, all you are is this amalgamation of all these different neur- neuron responses, chemical impulses. That, that's all you are. You're that's just it.
0: one big ball of light. That's all we really are. Well, light, an, en- an energetic piece of light hanging out, tuned to different frequencies.
1: We are, right? and I get that but when you when you believe that you got to believe in something bigger than yourself
0: oh yeah. yeah yeah you you
1: have to believe in something bigger than yourself and that's it's really hard it's really hard to convey to somebody who hasn't experienced the dark night of the soul and what lies beyond that it's really hard to to even we're speaking in a different language sometimes
2: you know People and, go ahead. Not everybody has hit rock bottom.
0: And not everyone wants to talk about that kind of shit either. It depends on the rock bottom. Yeah.
2: You know, for us, maybe rock bottom was drugs, alcohol was for me. For some women, it might be something really bad. Yeah. So some people literally do not want to talk about it. Well, I know I can understand that. I know right.
1: specific. Well, the way trauma works, and I know this because I had to learn about myself, and and I'm interested in in neuroscience. I'm interested in how the brain works. But so when when trauma is triggered, when it's severe trauma, you have the uh, the the Broca section of your brain this is this part of the brain right here is is uh the part that shuts off when you have a stroke you can't you can't speak properly anymore you can't you don't have linear thought anymore it shuts off so when you're triggered in trauma this part of the brain shuts off and the 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 weird contrast to that is the Broadman section of the brain lights up and they they can see this now with fmRIs this part of the brain lights up so this goes offline. This goes online. This part right here, the Brodmann section, that's, that's the part of the brain that's responsible for taking an immediate picture. As soon as you see people or anything, that's the part that lights up. It, it's the experience and real-time part of your brain. So what's real interesting about the way the brain works is if you haven't navigated your way through trauma to be able to catch that in the moment when you go into a state of fight or flight, you're offline. It doesn't work. And this part is experiencing what it's experiencing through the trigger is the trauma in real time. So these events are playing. They they had these these uh, PTSD patients under the fMRI, and they would speak to them about the event, and that's what would happen. And so they start experiencing this event in real time. Now looking through their eyes, they're that they know they're in a fucking tube, right? But you can't. It's happening like it's. And, and when I started understanding that, it made me a lot more empathetic to the fact that. Well, if your brain just – if you haven't got to the place to where you can navigate through that, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like I'm am I'm sorry that, that – and that's where people – the majority of people exist in this state to where they get stuck and you don't know why you're stuck but you're just stuck and you can't get past this point. And it's really not your fault. Because I got to go back to where I didn't know better. And there's a lot of bad shit that I did and some shit that I'm embarrassed about. You know, I, I was mean and and controlling and all. It, but it, my my brain, I, I couldn't get outside this space until something made me get outside that space. How do you make somebody do that without trauma? Don't and know that was that your possible.
2: empty room? That's, that's the thing that you were feeling when you walked into the empty room? Right. Children re- were there. In real time. In, in real time. Room? You were re-experiencing it at a bodily brain level, but you weren't seeing it. Couldn't see it, but it was it was there. It
1: but was happening, whatever actions. it was. And I can't put my finger on it completely.
0: You know, Eastern philosophy, they believe that the trauma is stored in the body. And it's even stored in your organs. It absolutely uh, and grams. Yeah. And that's why, like, you know, uh, one of the senior clinician supervisor, dude's been doing, like, you know, martial arts for like 40 fucking years, probably lo- longer than that, since nineteen seventy, nineteen sixty nine, 1969. And he knows a lot of different stuff. And he was one of the first ones to actually bring in like EFT, you know, emotional regulation, tapping certain points, pressure points on the body, um, crossing the meridian line, what happens is, is my trauma is stored back here? Mm-hmm. It's stored in my brain state, right? Brainstem. We always crack jokes because, like, people—you can just see people who are stuck in the brainstem, in, in brainstem, in, in that monkey mind, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and there's like different forms of tapping, and uh, that will release some of the trauma over time. And then there's what is it? EMDR. EMDR. Yeah, yeah that's, that's huge that's right intense. now too
1: and you know all that is all emdr is eft but emdr especially and cognitive processing therapy it's what i've learned from experience is that if i don't if i don't put myself in situations that are going to open up new neural pathways and this is what emdr is it's a trick it's a trick that you play on your brain that opens up neural pathways that have been shut down you know over here four percent of my hippocampus is ineffective. The neurons don't fire. I think they're better now because I've gone through years and years and years of of this type of therapy, and I put myself in situations that challenge me to grow. but literally, and, and now we're talking on the physical plane, right where we've gone we've we've left the spiritual realm and just talking in terms of psychology and yeah. psychiatry, literally, those neural pathways are closed. They're close. You don't have access to them. And who was it? Uh It's Frankel. Frankel talks about the space that you have between stimulus and response. It's very small to begin with. And the more trauma you experience, the smaller that that space gets. But there's still something there. And then you get to the, the point of the schizophrenic. Well, it's not there anymore. Now, now you need some meds to open that, that shit up. Because there's nothing you can't talk to that person, they've been completely shut down. But in trauma, you have a little bit of that space there. That's why chemicals don't work. You you can't you can't use chemicals because you even if they're chemicals that the doctor prescribes, because you don't have that response time. It's not you. That's the that's the emptiness that you feel. That's the that's the not you that you feel. You you you've taken away that response. Empty and spaces. You, and you're sedated, right? So now society, society doesn't have to deal with whatever it was they thought you were an asshole at doing or you were too disruptive or you couldn't sit still in your seat or whatever the fuck it is. You we you're disrupting the rest of us. Let us sedate you. They're taking the life out of you. And and I'm not to say I I would not say to anybody who's on medication, don't do it. But you got to do it with. Therapy, like there, and therapy can only take you so far, too. You know that. Yeah. Like therapy can only take you so far. At a certain point, you just got to want to put work. the fucking work. You in. You got
0: to put the work in.
1: And that's getting back to the dark night as night of the soul. That's to face that head on because I've I, I I did have some shit go on recently, like the, where the business feels like it's going to collapse, and I just had to say, "Fuck it, whatever happens is going to happen. It always works out, right." And But I had to be okay with the fact that it might not work out. If I take this risk, the trickle-down effect could be this. I had to say, fuck it. I don't fucking care. I had to find a way to not really care because am I going to die? Probably not. I'm going to take this risk because the pain of not taking the risk that I know I have to take is far worse than,
0: than playing it safe. My question is, so you say fuck it, right? And everything gonna be all right, this and that. Or maybe it won't.
1: See, I say it maybe it won't. I'm just
0: going to roll with it, though. But the next day, do you replay? Absolutely. And you have to say fuck it again? Absolutely. Because you go that's back. The shit, yeah, that's, that's the, the cyclical shit, I hate. shit. That's the shit I hate. Yeah. I want to just say fuck it one time and be okay, and be okay with, okay with it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck it and then you move on. I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. like, I have to keep replaying the motherfucker. Like, dude, I thought, like, it's like. The fucking chatter. It's like I thought we settled this. Yeah, you know I thought I said, we I thought it. we buried this <laughs> yeah. motherfucker. We said fuck it. It's all going to be good. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But then I find myself the next day thinking about the same shit, and I'm like, didn't we say fuck it? I said fuck it. Why is it back up in here? Yeah, that's
1: that's that monkey mind. That's that's that, <clears throat> and you're further along than most because thank God you experienced trauma. And you got to pull yourself out of it. You got to the other side. A lot of people don't. So as the Buddhists would say, pain is necessary. Suffering is is a choice, right? It's necessary. It's necessary to experience the dark night of the soul. Now, do you do it? With a smile on your face, I always go back to Viktor Frankl and I think about the worst, the worst thing you, one of the worst things you can experience being in a concentration camp, not knowing whether or not you're going to die from one minute to the next. To be in that space and come out inventing logotherapy, which has helped millions of people, that is the epitome of what the dark night of the soul is. That's the extreme version of I'm here. But you're not gonna, you're not gonna imprison my spirit. I don't give a fuck what you, I don't care, you know, in unity, the saying, um, there's a power inside of you that's greater than anything that exists outside of you. Yeah. Which is true. And if you go in, you can navigate your way through anything. And Viktor Frankl, you know, man search for meaning. If you have a why, you, you can, you can overcome pretty much any how, but people lack the why. You get caught up in, in the depression and the why starts to dissipate. And now you're just stuck. So why not pop some fucking pills? Why? Why? Why not? That's uh, that, the
0: fuck it. That's, right. that's most people's fuck it.
1: And uh, yeah, that that's the negative fuck yeah. it. Because yeah. I with PTSD, my fuck it was always negative. Fucking I don't care. I don't care if I die. I don't care if I do this. I I don't give a fuck. Made for some good stories. But then you know? the
0: thing is you don't die. You just create a shit ton of suffering and mess t- and like. Suffering's th- a choice. Yeah. Now why did I do that? Right. Because I said, fuck it.
1: Now, now I now I have to clean this up. Now it's fuck it even more. Right. And fuck it even more until you can't fuck it anymore. It's <laughs> either, well, okay, I got to leave the earth plane. Yeah. Let me take my own life. Or let me get my shit together. That's not always true either. No. You know, it's not always true. Some people will go their entire life and then they get to their deathbed and and that's when the revelation comes. I wonder what that feels like to go your entire life just being miserable, being miserable. and Well, we've all met them. You know what? <laughs> There's people <laughs> yeah. like that. But you know yeah. what, though? Yeah. As I think about it, it probably feels good to have that one moment of peace. To, to get to get I'm out place. this bitch. Yeah, yeah, I'm out this bitch. <laughs> yeah, I remember I used to be deathly afraid of flying. <clears throat> and there's a, there there was this one flight that I, I flew because I had to. And I remember coming back from uh, New York. It was a short flight. In my head, I could justify short flights because, well, it's so short, you couldn't possibly crash or anything. You, know, you go up, you go down. It's a quick one. Yeah, so... So I, I I could get past the nerves, but I remember this one flight. We dropped, I think it was like ten thousand feet almost immediately. Everybody was clutching hands and scared. And oh my God, that's my nightmare. It was so I thought it was mine too. Other than coming out of these these PTSD alcohol infused benders where I got where the ego was gone, other than. Feeling the unconditional love that I feel for my kids, I don't. Other than the the psychedelic experience with, with ayahuasca, <clears> and I don't think I've ever been more at peace. Is when I said "fuck it," and it, it, that was a real healthy way. I was just okay with the fact that I have zero control. That's surrender. Yeah. I have zero control over what happens right now, and I'll be damned. And I, this wasn't conscious; it just happened. I'll be damned if I spend the last moments of my life in fear fuck it. That's the good fuck it. That that was the I just remember how peaceful I felt all of a sudden. Something I was scared of my entire life and when it came came time to where there were a lot of people <laughs> on that motherfucker, we thought we were dead. I mean, it, that was a that was a drop shit hitting the
2: ceiling and yeah, yeah. and it was just like you know, that's a that's a very common thing with plane crashes actually. So there's there's documentaries about this of plane crashes where people survived. And, you know, they interview everybody that survived and said, you know, was everybody running around? Was it bedlam? And they're like, no, everybody was calm, very calm. There was a lady over there on fire, just sitting there on fire and not going like this or anything, just on fire. That's, now that's, it's, there's an acceptance about your fate. Acceptance, when your surrender. fate is five minutes away, there's a lot of expe- acceptance.
1: Now think if you could live your life like that. If you could walk into these challenges every day, every day, walk yeah. into these challenges and and in and, and the, the the peaceful way, fuck it, fuck it. Whatever happens, happens. And that, you know what that takes? That takes absolute faith in that things are happening for me, not to me. You got to get out of the victim mindset. I lived in that victim mind, mindset for so long. Oh, why me? Why me? Why did I grow up like this? Why did this happen? Why Why can't I get this right? And it led straight to the abyss. It just causes time.
2: anxiety because you feel that your life is wrong. It's Rather the than the things happen, happening to you were wrong, your life is wrong. And you give and up you your power. And you continue to act like that well, forever you, or behave you, like
1: that. You completely give up any power you actually do have by blaming the world outside of you because if – if everything, everything that you are and everything that you've experienced is as a result of everything out there, how the fuck? You can't change it. You have no power to change it because it's not you, right? I can't live that way. I, I have to take responsibility. I have to find a way to to give that peaceful fuck it. That's what I want every day. I don't have much interest in any. I used to be money-driven. We talk about it all yeah. the time. Money-driven women driven you know that power driven fame driven driven by all these things that mean absolutely nothing to me now i love the the uh charles bukowski quote and i'm paraphrasing but i have i have zero interest in things that have no soul none like when when i'll sit in some of those motivational classes sometimes and well what do you want to do just want to be a light what does that mean I just want to illuminate my space. Every day I want to find a way to illuminate my space a little bit better than I am today. I just want it, and before I go, I would like to have, I would like to embody Christ consciousness. Whatever that is, that, that, that space on the other side of the dark night of the soul, that space just before you, you come into that, that divine union with whatever that source is, I want to feel that. That's the goal. I don't have much else that I want to do. I think
0: it's pretty. You don't like to feel that twenty four seven.
1: No, no, but I want to feel it once. You know, you, maybe I did when that plane was going down. I
0: think I don't we know. feel it. I think we come through times in our lives where we feel that peace. The thing, yeah, is, that's true. Yeah, you know, I always try to extend it because I know when I'm in it, and I'll and I can recognize that's when I'm in that the space. The flow, the flow. Right, right. The thing is, I always try to extend it as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not, but you know it does come to an end. And the thing is, that's the end, and then you go through it again until you get that – The cycle? The cycle. (laughs)
1: The
2: cycle. Yeah, That's
0: the journey. The journey. Right? Yep.
2: And maybe it's a daily thing.
1: Well, then that's what yeah, you—that's really what you have to embrace. Because
2: you wake up every day, you go to sleep every day. It's the same thing over and over, unless you change something about it.
0: You gotta change it all the time.
1: Well, and that's—that's that's the concept. So, not, mm-hmm. non-attachment gets a bad rap. When I talk about non-attachment, there's people that don't want to hear that. Girlfriends don't want to hear non-attachment. What does that mean? You're not attached? you know what I mean. Not, not. But non-attachment, all to me, non-attachment is an extremely romantic concept. Even though it can seem nihilistic, I'm not attached to anything. It's not that. All non-attachment is for me, and I believe in the ways that the the Buddhists perpetuated the concept, is the embracing of per- impermanence. I know that there's only one absolute truth to this human experience, and that is that everything here is impermanent. Try to fall in love with that. And that's hard because you think – I think about uh, what if, what if something were to happen to my kids, right? How can I embrace that? You got to. You got to because these things that you can't control are going to get thrown at you often. And the only way through it in a way that's peaceful to where you don't have to suffer. You might have to feel pain, but you don't have to suffer is by embracing impermanence earlier. The, the signal here. We got a few the minutes,
0: so Rap. We got to, We're about we're to wrap cutting it. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're on board. Thank you. Yep, Nice to meet you. Keep
2: Thanks the comments me, like, coming
1: in. Um, we're, uh, we're taking it up a notch, so be ready for, for the next level.